for August the 16th, 2023. Now, you're asking yourself, whoa, Alf actually went to Houston? No, I did not go to Houston. So I'm doing a camp report, a long-distance camp report from Miami. Uh, instead of um, you know, just aggregating everything everybody else said about today, I watched the uh, Tuatunga Valo's availability, which was kind of interesting as he went over his uh, his play today. Uh, I guess we could say Jalen Phillips was really, really good today. Some good things coming out of the offensive line. And Tua Tungvaloa had a very good practice bracketed by two interceptions. Although the second one, um, he threw it under circumstances that tend to piss me off, which is those respots. He completed a pass to Tyreek Hill that almost everybody agreed, at least the people that I follow online and I follow for their reports, namely Travis Wingfield, David Ferronis. They seem to agree that Tyreek Hill would have scored on that play. And obviously, if he scores, then there is no interception to end practice in the end zone, right? So, I guess it was a pretty decent day. Uh, Tua had an availability. Uh, he was really, really forthcoming in that availability about as far as getting the play calls in. That was a very good question by Kim Bocamper, talking about are they going to shorten things. That thing that That sounded fucking confusing. I don't know if you heard his play call, but if you re- listen to the play call very, very, uh, very, very closely, it's 21 personnel and they're hitches. <laughs> That's all they're throwing on that play. So it was pretty, uh, although it took me a while, like I had to slow it down, listen to it. But you got to understand when you're in a huddle and you hear that play call, you're not responsible for everything. You're listening just for the part that responds to you. Okay. Now the quarterback he has to remember everything, okay? So that's different. So when you're saying, oh, my God, that sounded so confusing. Well, it's not really confusing for an offensive lineman. The offensive lineman is just waiting for the very, very first part of that play call. He listens to it, and he's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Uh, wide receiver is listening to that play call, and he's looking for, listen, listening for something really, really specific somewhere in the middle of the play call, and he's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And then the tight ends and the running backs, so forth, the protections, all of that. Yeah, you're listening for very specific things inside of that play call to be able to get it. And since I was not there, and we're not going to have a player of the practice, although I've asked around to see if they could give me something something from the people that were there, uh, we're just going to do a Q&A here. Uh, and I have my first, uh, your name, uh, identify yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Matthias on Twitter. My at is Wecknerd. Um, follow me if you want terrible content. Uh, but my question is, it's not about this specific practice, but more about practices in general, because in OnlyFans, which you can join for $3 a month, there's been a discussion today about what a bad practice means and whether or not it's indicative of um, how the team could potentially perform in the future. So I wanted to ask your thoughts about um what a quote bag practice means so like two or through two interceptions today for example and people are expressing concerns about that um so what are your thoughts about what it actually means to have a bad practice and whether or not it affects the team moving forward yeah a bad practice usually is when you have really really bad body language and then the execution is way off and you have pre-snap penalties those are bad practices um and that's just on the offense on the, on the defensive side you have people blowing assignments uh you have people running the wrong coverages as they're called in um you have very lazy 
uh, practice on the on on the defensive line as far as getting after the quarterback or even initiating any kind of pass rush moves. Like if there is no attention to detail and you're just going through the motions, and I've seen a few of those before. Um, usually you get those like right after a game. Like they played on Friday and then they practice on Sunday. That Sunday practice was a little lackadaisical, but then Monday was a kind of really really picked up. So you usually tend to see those like right after a game, like guys are like, oh, you know, I don't feel like being out here. Like, you know, I thought I had a day off, you know. But these guys, you know, they gave them another another day to practice on Sunday. And I, I don't think they gained too much from it, although Mike McDaniel said that it was necessary. But, you know, I guess they saw some things in that game on, on Friday night against the Falcons that they did not like, and they wanted to drill on those for Sunday. So as far as a, a bad practice – it's really when you see guys just going through the motions. Like, that's a bad practice. You see guys not actually uh, implementing what's being taught. That's a bad practice. So, you got anything else? No, that was really my only question because um, people tend to focus on the results of the practice rather than what you're talking about, which I think is more important. Um, thank you for um, answering my question. All right, and in case you didn't know, that is the moderator on OnlyFans. So that's why he gave us a nice little promo. $3 a month, people. All right, uh, identify yourself. Hello, Mr. CEO, uh, Dolphins fan out in northwest Indiana. So I was uh, I was wanting to know about this Christian Wilkins hold-in. Um, is, this, is this something that we're worried uh, isn't going to be able to get done? Um, obviously, being a hold-in is better than, you know, the alternative. Uh, are we worried about his availability for week one? Is this going to get done? Is it a foregone conclusion? Uh, you know, where are we sitting with that? And, and I guess if we did, if we were to miss Christian Wilkins for you know, maybe a couple of weeks, how detrimental to our entire defense would that be? Uh, well, it would be very detrimental. Uh, I don't think they're going to miss him for any time whatsoever. I think he'll be ready for week one and he'll have a new contract. It's been told to me for better part of a year already that it's a foregone conclusion. Now, obviously, my concern is what have they been doing all these all these months? Like obviously they're holding him up for something in the negotiations because I was told a very very long time ago that this thing was going to get done, not only get done, but I was even given some parameters. And those parameters were somewhere around 20 million dollars a year that was going to happen and somewhere around more than 60% of the contract um guaranteed, which would put him in that top 5 uh, highest paid defensive tackles in football. It would not make him the highest paid, but it will put him in the top five and almost hugging the top three, maybe, I want to say. So I wonder what they're really what they're really fighting over. I do not think, okay, and this has been speculated before on, on Twitter, I do not think that, that Christian Wilkins' representatives have come out and said, oh, you know, we want to be the highest paid defensive tackle, and that's why they haven't gotten anything done. I think... Their demands are going to be reasonable. They just want to be in that group. I think he'll end up in that group. Uh, if I had any concern, it, it would be, uh, you know, what were you doing all this time? Now you have, you know, now it's not really necessary because he's still there. He's still stretching with the team. He's participating, although he's not working in 11-on-11. 11 11. But he knows the play calls and he knows the defense. Like, he's not really missing any valuable time in camp because of this. But you you don't want to get you don't want to have it get to this because other people see this. This is bad. This is a bad, you know it's it's bad for appearances. 
Okay, you drafted this guy. He's produced. Okay, you kind of made some promises like, hey, you know, this is going to get done. You know, I think it's time. Just get it done already. Okay, I do expect a contract. I've been told many a time. It's if if I had a dollar for every time that I've been told like, ah, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Then I would have I I could pay on myself. Okay, (laughs) let's just say that. All right. If I had to guess, it happens before they go out to Los Angeles. He has a contract in hand before they go out to Los Angeles for week one. Uh, That would be my guess. You have anything else? Uh, Yeah, I did have uh, one other question, a little bit different topic. Um, Undoubtedly, you know, four or five plus games this year are going to be decided by three or less points. Mm -hmm. Uh, How concerned are you about uh, Jason Sanders and his his inability to kick a a field goal, you know, further than 50 yards? Like, how concerned are we about that? Oh, I'm I'm absolutely concerned. Like, uh, yeah, sound the alarm. And like, if you want to panic about something, that's worth panicking over. It's it's now a thing. Like, this is, it's official, okay? Uh, they had game-simulated uh, kicks against the Falcons. And I, if you watch my notes, if you read my notes on OnlyFans, they, they were pretty clear. It was game-simulated, which means you had a rush, you had a snap, you had a hold, you had a kick, okay? And he was good from, like, 36. He was good from 40. He was good from 42. He was good from 46. And then he missed two from 51 and from 55, and he missed them both badly. He missed he missed both of them wide right. Uh, the second one, uh, he lacked a little leg, but he had enough had he put it between the, the uprights. It's now a thing. And it's gotten to the point where when they play in the regular season and they have the option between fourth and four or kick a 50-yard field goal, I take the four and four. I think the – I think the – I think the – the the fourth and four probably has a higher uh, percentage of success than kicking a field goal from 50 plus. So, yeah, I am absolutely concerned with that. I think that that's, you know, that horse has left the barn and I don't think we should be trying any 50 yard field goals this season. You got anything? All else? right. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Thank you. All right. As I bring you up, identify yourself. Hey guys, it's uh, Craig, known as Spam of Death on Twitter. You can also follow me for real shitty opinions. Anywho, um, question for you: One uh, small, uh, small case and large, like big picture. Number one, um, what does the um, what does the uh, um, defensive back room look like with all of these injuries? Do you still think it's going to be the strength of the team, and you still think we're going to, or or do you think we're going to have any problems with that? No, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm. The only injury they have right now that's legitimate in the defensive back room is uh, is Jalen Ramsey. I expect everybody else back. If I was going to be concerned about anybody else, is if you were, you know, if you were banking on Nick Needham playing a lot, you know, he's in limbo. Okay, we're going to be waiting that first month of the season to see if he gets, he's going to get into action. I don't think he's ready. I saw him on Monday, and what I saw on Monday, you know, it's, was pretty much what I've seen all summer. Like he. He didn't seem ready to me. Like he's he might be ready to play a flag football game, but to play NFL football, probably not. So I I think Cam Smith is returning in about a couple of weeks, so he'll be ready for that week one, I believe. And Kader Kohu, he seems to have some type of injury that's also undisclosed, but he had his helmet on today, and he participated in stretch. And on Monday, I saw him running around, and 
you know, he looked fine to me. But obviously, he's not ready to play NFL football. He's not ready for contact. So, you know, if those are the only injuries that you have right now that are legitimate, that are keeping you from getting any playing time uh, or any reps in practice, then I'm fine with it. You know, anything else, soft tissue injuries, anything lower body, that's a problem for me. But so far, so good. They've been lucky in that regard. Other teams haven't been so lucky. You have anything right. else? Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Uh, the other one is more big picture. Being um, being a uh, a prototypical scared Dolphin fan has been following a team since the mid-'80s and has seen good coaching and bad coaching. Um, <clears throat> Rick, For- Rick Furster, anyways. Um, how is the coach – can you draw any analogies or draw any conclusions to how the coaching staff is working or how things are being picked up by the players? In terms of like you know when 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 the rubber meets the road and we're in like you know serious situations, do you think the coaches have it in them to actually do what they need to do? It's a great question, and I have a great answer for it. Okay, Vic Fangio is the boss on the defensive side of the football. Everything goes through him. He coordinates with all his guys, mainly Ronaldo Hill, and I see him. I see him talking to Sam Madison quite a bit. So it's Ronaldo Hill, Sam Madison. Those are his confidants. Uh, but Vic Fangio is the boss on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the buck stops with him, and you could tell that he's completely responsible for everything that's happening on that side of the ball. On the offensive side, it's uh, the operation's a little bit deeper because you could see Frank Smith and Daryl Bevel being really involved. Frank Smith is intimately involved with Mike McDaniel, and Daryl Bevel is the last guy that speaks to Tua Tungabaloa before he goes out into the field, and he's the first guy that speaks to Tua Tungabaloa when he comes back. So... That operation is with those three guys, essentially. That's what's, that's what's calling plays. That's, that's the committee of three to get play calls in, um, which is kind of how it, it always works in the NFL. You know, It's always the head coach with the coordinator and the quarterback's coach. That, that's usually the operation. Last year, they tried to streamline that thing and tried to use John Embry a little bit. And then they, at the end of the year, they were pretty much going back to a more traditional uh, method, which is going through your offensive coordinator and your quarterback's coach to get everything done. Um, So far, so good. And as far as the command of the entire team, Mike McDaniel has that. He's calling every single part of practice. One thing I do like about him, because this is something I observed with Adam Gase when he was down here, sometimes I would look on the field and I'm like, where the hell is Adam Gase? And I would get my binoculars out and I would look for him and look for him and look for him. And sure enough, there he is. He's standing over there by the offensive lineman talking to to, to a staff member. But Mike McDaniel floats a lot like uh, like Brian Flores used to float. Like I, I really enjoyed Brian Flores' practices because they were intense and they were quick and they were regimented. But then I saw what Mike McDaniel was doing with the practices, and I thought to myself, you know what, this is this is probably better for football because he's he's doing so much eleven on eleven and everything is a hundred percent, everything's at full speed that they're actually practicing football. And they're keeping their drills to a minimum. They're keeping their drills just to the first, like, 15 minutes of practice. And then they're spending the rest, the, the, the next hour and 45 minutes, actually doing stuff that actually pertains to playing the game. So a lot of 11-on-11, 11 11, you know, they got rid of 7-on-7 seven seven going on two weeks now, which is a good thing, in my opinion. So, yeah, I like the way that this, this coaching staff operates. But to answer, to, to make a, a long answer really, really, really short, on offense, it's Mike McDaniel, Frank Smith, and Daryl Bevel. And on defense, it's Vic Fangio. And that's it. You got anything Awesome. Else? Uh, no, thanks for the insight. Really appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you. I hope that answer was detailed. 
All right. Uh, identify yourself as I bring you up here. Faded Finn here. So um, join OnlyFans. I'm not really active on Twitter. Just wanted to ask you, you know, what's the difference between how you're consuming practices when you're able to be there as opposed to people like us? So we don't get to see the, you know, the interest, little intricacies that you get to see, like you were just talking about how, you know, Tua comes out and he talks to McDaniel immediately or, you know, before every practice, at the end of every practice, those little things. So what do you, what do you, um, how do you consume it when you're not able to be there? And are there any tips and tricks that we can get to getting those little insights? Yeah, I try to watch as much video as I can. I saw that rep today by Deshaun Hand. That was that was pretty slick. Uh, I try to watch as much video as I can. Uh, there's some people out there that, that actually record it. What's funny to me, and actually, it's it's actually like actually laugh inducing to me, is that there are people on on YouTube that record parts of practices and then try to give their analysis, and their analysis is complete shit. But I get to use their video to actually give good analysis. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, for these two days, I'll be relying on those dipshits, okay, to try to get you guys as much good information as I can. I do trust a lot of the guys on the beat. I know what they're. Uh, I trust what they see and I trust uh, what they what they write. Uh, you could you know who they are is Travis Wingfield, David Ferronis. You know I, I like Omar Kelly's observations from time to time. Okay. Uh, it's it's not all you know. It's not all controversial. Okay, he has he has some good insights from time to time. So yeah, I try to take in as much as I can and then just form my opinion that way. Although you know, I will not form a concrete opinion uh, on it because I wasn't there. I didn't see it. And you know, I've asked around for for people to give me um, you know from the beat. I've asked around to give me you know, a player of the practice today. And in fact, look, I'm going to do this on the air right now. I'm going to check my phone because I asked uh, three guys. You can guess who those three guys are that I asked to see if anybody's responded and no response from two of them. And the other response from the third guy is Jalen Phillips. So I guess it's Jalen Phillips, but I won't put that out as far as like my observation because that's you know that's just taking a poll from from several guys but yeah that's how i form my my opinion on these two days that i won't be there but i will be returning next week uh, i'll be there for the balance of training camp perfect and then uh thank you and then i guess to a follow-up i haven't really heard anything at all about hayes he just practice squad guy yeah uh you know, there's a, there's something there because they, they're spending a lot of time on him. And watching him go against third-teamers, uh, you could see what there is, okay? Like, he's a good, you know, he's a good solid tackle, I think, even at this level, all right? Uh, what he is not is a guy that, that they're going to cross-train into other positions. I think he's just a left tackle. So, I would try to stash him that way. I think he's absolutely capable of being on the practice squad and then next year have him compete for that swing tackle spot and hopefully he wins it because he'll be really really cheap so I, I like what i see so far is he ready to play week five no no he's not ready to play nfl football this season I, at least i don't think he is okay but a year training on and then ready for camp next year maybe he could be the the swing guy next year i like what i see so far you know it hasn't been you know he hasn't looked like a, a fish out of water rookie so far. You know, I think he looks fine. All right. You have anything else? No, that's it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. All right. And uh, I'll get a few of the questions. Let me see if, uh, if 
in the chat if there's any questions so I can answer. What was the general perception of how the offense and defense did today? Well, the defense has rave reviews, and the offense depends on who you, you know, who you listen to. Okay. Uh, have you heard any specific items holding up Wilkins' new? No, I haven't heard about what's holding up Wilkins' new contract, um, like incentives uh, or anything like that. Um, I I just say get it done. Okay. It's almost embarrassing that you haven't paid this guy already. All right, just get it done. All right, let me see. Any other questions? Yeah, um, is Fangio's defense predominantly a 3-4 or more of a hybrid 3-4-4-3 and 52? Good observation. It's all of those things, okay? But in its base, it's a 3-4, okay? Uh, although they do not cover, uh, and don't quote me on this because they might play the Chargers week one and all of a sudden they're going to cover the, the center and the guards consistently, okay? They play guys in gaps for the most part. Okay, so I'm going to say, yeah, it's it's pretty much a mix of all of it. All right. All right, let me see if there's any other questions. Uh, any other questions in the chat? And I don't believe there's any more, and I think we could end it there. Oh, we have one more. Uh, we have one more. Identify yourself as I bring you up. And we could end it right here. Hey, Al, thank you. I'm Paris. Um, my, my Twitter handle is, uh, like my name, Paris Fins fan. And I want to ask you, how about the linebackers? Are they playing well? Uh, what have you heard? Yeah, we have, uh, you essentially have the top two guys. You have Jerome Baker, David Long. And then you have their direct backups in Channing Tindall and Duke Riley. That is static. That's going to be that way for the rest of the season, hopefully, if they stay healthy. And it's all about that fifth guy. I don't know if it's going to be they're going to keep another edge player in Gary Nelson. I don't know if they're just going to say, look, Andrew Van Ginkle's going to cross-train inside and he's going to play inside, so therefore the, he's the fifth linebacker. I know that Aubrey Miller is good enough to be on the roster, but I don't know if they'll want to keep him because he's just a fill linebacker. He's kind of one-dimensional, so he might be the fifth guy. Outside of those guys... Uh, I don't think they have anything else, but I like the group because I like the the top four. I think the top four are solid, and after those top four, I think we're we're essentially fine, you know, as far as like who you you could give or take whoever it is be, be behind those top four, and you know it's going to be a huge drop off because it's like that for every team in the NFL. But I do like Aubrey Miller, and I do expect. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle to play some in there. So he could be the fifth guy. So that's the way I see it. Mike Rose, I don't think, has shown enough. And I don't think he's been good enough on special teams to to grab a hold of a spot. So Aubrey Miller's the guy that I'm I'm watching. And I think that that's a guy that'll try to bring back onto the practice squad. Because he could be he could be a fill linebacker. He could do that. All right. You have okay. Anything? You have anything else? No, no, no. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Thank you to all who participated. We will do this again tomorrow as they'll go into the day two of joint practices with the Houston Texans. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.